and welcome to Connected, episode 361. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Squarespace, Pingdom, and Hello. My name is Stephen Hackett. I'm joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for holding down the fort this summer. You have been the constant on Connected. <laughs> Did I take one off? You took one. Yeah. One off. One off, but you two have been all over the place. Uh, Federico is away this week. So Federico, in case you don't know, uh, he writes a review of iOS and iPadOS every year. What? And uh, Yeah, I know, right? Shocker. Breaking news. And Federico uh, came to us this week and asked if we would be cool holding the fort for him because he's in the final stretch now of writing that review. Um, and he's obviously been pretty distracted with all the Club Max story stuff. So Federico's down in a bunker now uh, writing his uh, iOS and iPadOS review. So he's <laughs> taking a week off the show this week and he should be back next week. We have some follow-up. Yeah, uh, I would like to apologize to most countries of the world. You know, I upset some people. First off, I would like to apologize. I've, I've provided individual apologies to basically all of our Brazilian listeners for suggesting that Brazilian people spoke Spanish uh, when they, in fact, speak Portuguese. So I would like to apologize for that. Um, Kosovo. Now, remember, we had, the, we had a Kosovo problem. Uh, last time where we had a listener, uh, Blend, who was from Kosovo, but I said we had zero Kosovo listeners. Kosovan, uh, Kosovan listeners, here we go, I'm doing it again. Uh, Kosovo can also be known as Serbia, um, but it has declared independence from Serbia, but is only partially recognized worldwide. So that might be why our hosting provider doesn't recognize there's Kosovo, because maybe our hosting provider hasn't got that data. I don't know. Uh, this is maybe too much for us to try and get into. feels pretty murky, uh, but it could be why we show a zero for Kosovo. I did check, though, and we had 10 listeners from Serbia. So if they were being counted into Serbians, Serbia's data, maybe that would mess it up. Uh, I apologize to Blend, but um, unfortunately, Unfortunately, it's it's not up to us to decide uh, which countries are um, recognized. Yeah, that uh, sounds complicated for this podcast. This is incredibly complicated, and I almost wish we hadn't done this follow-up because I'm almost convinced I will now have more follow-up. This is basically Green Gate, but for global politics, which is much Glow more. Gate. Uh, if we do this segment in the future, listener James suggested calling it the Raramies, which I enjoyed. Oh, that's good! Which I really enjoyed. Uh, my suggestion was the Weirdies, uh, as we mm. were ultimately finding the weirdest listener, but the Raramies is better. The Raramies is very good. So we may, I, I think we will come back to this at some point, especially because now somebody has been given the uh, the, 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 like nod of weirdest fish now mm -hmm. now like now that umar has is the weirdest fish lots of other people want to be weird right so like we put this call out and we gave people a enough time but all week i've been getting tweets from people who are like hey i'm from this country is that weirder right. well you had your time right it's not up to yeah. us. You had your opportunity. Well, listen to uh, the show the week it comes out is what we're saying. No, it, they were like, oh, I just didn't do it. I just didn't send it in. I was like, well, this isn't, you know, you know what I mean? Like, so just like, well, you were lazy or you didn't think you were weird enough. Believe in your weirdness. Uh, it is very likely that some point next summer we will come back to the Raramies because it was a great way to fill half of a show. And it was very enjoyable to listen to. I, I made Mary listen to it. I was like, "You got to hear this." And I actually it. listened back to that segment in full, which is a which is a rarity for me to do, um, because I wanted to see how it came out. I also wanted to just be completely aware of how many uh, people I could have upset accidentally. Uh, in episode three, so this is some follow up from Darren. So we got some from listener Darren. 
In episode 360, you were hoping to have a listener in space. Unfortunately, I couldn't quite do that, but I did go and listen to Connected inside both a Soviet space station hull, the Almaz-206, and a VA space capsule, which are part of a museum collection. And uh, Darren has sent in an image for us uh, mm-hmm. of proof of that. The image that I have put in our show notes is the wrong one. Yeah. And so uh, I just got a bit of a shock when I opened that, and I don't know what happened. Uh, I need to correct that, Stephen. I can only apologize to you. Uh, I don't know why this has happened. I think there's some kind of horrific virus inside of our S3 bucket, which is just an image of your face. So we've got (laughs) that going on. Maybe. I will find this image. um, Okay. And then, yeah, okay. I I believe it was an email. To me. Yeah, it was an email. So let me get it. Okay. Let me get it now. Okay. I'll let you go deal with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> that was so scary. <laughs> it was scary. Last week, y'all also spoke about Tim Cook and his time yep. at the company. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, 10-year anniversary, he's been there a while. Tim Cook has made comments before about, I think, like, you know, he's not going to be at Apple forever. Uh, German chimed in, speculating that Tim would retire between 2025 and 2028 sometime. And uh, apparently he wants to oversee one more major product category introduction. And I don't think you have to guess that that would probably be something AR-focused. He talks a lot about it, seems very passionate about having charts and meetings in space. And so maybe once we see that, then Tim's gone. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this last time, right? That the Apple Watch is maybe the biggest product that Tim has overseen. Oh, yeah. But it it isn't the change the world product that mm-hmm. maybe you would want if you were Apple CEO, right? And so I expect he probably wants to give that another go and see if he can be at the helm of the company when they introduce their next like paradigm-shifting company. Like, you can put the slide up of the Mac and the iPhone and the iPad up as much as you want, right? And talk about like, oh, and this is the next one, but the market decides. Um, and I don't think the market has decided. The Apple Watch is a very successful product. We're going to talk about it later on today. Uh, but it is not, you know, it has not changed the world like like those other ones that I mentioned. Uh, I have now found the image of Darren in a space uh, capsule, oh, good. which is very good. Uh, do you see this? So Darren printed out a weird fish and uh, had, and you can also see he's listening to the episode. So good proof. Um, and to up the weirdness factor, this all took place on the Isle of Man, which has a population of 85,000 people. It's weird. Darren knows that doesn't make him lifetime weird, which is what we were looking no. for, for somebody to listen from space. Just this is good enough. Space weird. Mm-hmm. So if you're Tim Cook and you want to be in the the hall of fame that is the Mac, iPod, iPhone, iPad, and the watch doesn't get you there. I just don't see how AR is going to be the thing that pushes you into that. Uh, you know, am I just being pessimistic about AR? I feel like I am on general, but I just don't know. I mean, he's really banking on like this AR, VR combination. So look, here's the thing, right? So let, let's just th- think of this a second. Let's talk about this a second. If Apple's creating a product, not the first one, right? The first one's a developer kit mostly, right? AR, VR, home use. If they are making AR glasses, right? The expectation is they will be in front of your eyes, 
right? Like you cannot escape them. It's not like the Apple Watch, right? Right, where it's like this this complementary thing. AR glasses will would be like this a much more of a companion, I think, to other devices with the, I guess, the eventual goal of becoming something of its own. It does feel to me like just in theory, much more uh, for good and ill invasive than uh, an Apple Watch is. Like it's more maybe pervasive is a better word to use. Mm. Like in our lives in that sense, you know, like if it can truly give you that sci-fi idea of as you're walking around, you can be presented information like that. That could be for some people a pretty big deal. Um, I don't know. I mean, would we have necessarily assumed that the iPhone was going to be as big as it ended up being? I don't think no, so. I don't think anyone did. I don't. I don't think Apple did. Honestly, no. It was just like here is like a really like much nicer experience for using a cell phone, mm-hmm. right? But then it was the apps that was what truly made it what it is. So maybe they can do it again. I don't know either, but I think. If you're looking at what's on the horizon for Apple, what areas they have to tackle, I mean, it's not going to be the car, right? Like, that's the other area. The car's not going to be that thing because even if they make an incredible car, uh, it's going to be really expensive. And so it's not going to be something that everybody owns, like everybody owns a smartphone or whatever. Right. So I don't know. Yeah, Apple's best products have been the ones that democratize technology, Mm -hmm. right? Where... All of a sudden, the, the computer is accessible to you through something like the mouse and pull-down menus. You don't have to be using punch cards like Dr. Drang did or the iPod making music accessible to everybody, right? That's that's Apple at its best. Uh, that, and that's really kind of where I, I come back to the AR question. Is like, is that going to be for everyone? I mean, I mean, it could be closer to an iPod in its success to, than an iPhone, but that would still be enough. Oh, yeah. The iPhone is still, like, so far above and beyond, and even AirPods, you know, so much of what he has done, or what Apple has done, I should say, is pivoting off the phone, right? Mm-hmm. The Apple Watch can only be as big as the iPhone market as long as they continue to tie it to iOS the way they have. AirPods mm-hmm. are the same way, right? Like, yes, I'm sure there are people using AirPods products with non-iPhones, but it can't be many. And I, I, I don't know. And and I guess yeah, mm-hmm. AirPods are probably his most successful product line, right? Yeah. But they're not. It's not like yeah. the big new. It's, you it's know, an like, accessory. You're not putting it on that slide that right. I was mentioning earlier, right? Of like here's Apple's history. Mm-hmm. It's not going on there. Yeah, it's fair. Anyways, Tim Cook, hang mm-hmm. around for a little longer. We'd like that. Mike, today, September 1st. Hooray! You know what that means? It means that uh, the podcast is getting closer and closer is what it means. That is true in a very troubling way. Yeah. But September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, something that we mark and celebrate every year here at Relay FM. And the reason we do that is because of the work of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. There'll be a link in the show notes to a thing that I wrote today. Uh, my oldest son was diagnosed with cancer as an infant. Uh, they found a brain tumor, and he's getting ready to turn 13. And he has officially moved from cancer patient to cancer survivor because of the work at St. Jude. Uh, in fact, if you look at the overall childhood cancer survival rates, they are way, way higher than they were 60 years ago when St. Jude first opened its doors. 
And it's not just kids in Memphis. You know, we were fortunate to, to already live here. It's our home. But they treat kids from all over the world, and their research is shared all over the world to increase cancer survival rates in kids in all corners of the earth. So we take this seriously. We spend a lot of time and energy on this every every fall because it is really important to us. And every year, the, the Relay community has been absolutely amazing in raise, helping raise money for St. Jude. Yep. So you can, you can donate now. We're uh, already over $80,000, and it's just September 1st. We've been talking about this for two weeks now. And it'll run through the end of September. You know, September uh, is a time where a lot of us are going to spend a lot of money on tech, right? Like, I'm going to order a new iPhone this month and maybe mm-hmm. a watch. And mm-hmm. it's it's a, a time where a lot of us in this sort of community are spending money and set some of that aside and make it make it really count. So you can go to stjude.org slash relay and donate. And that money goes to not only this research and treatment, but families don't pay anything for that treatment. So our son has been a St. Jude patient for 12 years, and they've never charged me a single dime. That's incredible, because that is really best in world care. And because it is just given to us, we could focus on our family and focus on our kid, Mm -hmm. which is what's most important. So uh, make that possible for more families uh, stjude.org slash relay. I think I first heard Casey mention this about like, uh, which I, I kind of like it, that uh, donating to St. Jude during this time is guilt absolution for buying expensive technology products. And I'm I'm into that idea. So you don't have to feel so guilty about spending $1,000 on your phone if you make a nice donation to St. Jude as well. Look, last year I put wheels on my Mac Pro and I donated the same amount to St. Jude to offset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we got some streams coming up actually on that note. Do you we want do. to tell people what you're doing? Yeah, so on Thursday, September 2nd, I will be taking apart my next cube. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the next cube comes apart, so we're just going to figure that out together. Uh, and that'll be on my Twitch stream at twitch.tv slash ISMH. Yeah, and this is part of, um, we do these milestones. So as we hit different fundraising levels, uh, we unlock extra content. And that is typically in the form of me and you doing silly things on stream. Uh, also, another one on Friday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern uh, on my Twitch channel, Mike.Live, we're going to be playing uh, Kerbal Space Program, which is a game that neither of us have played. I've had a very short amount of time in the tutorial, and our plan is to try and uh, leave us orbit. That's the plan. Uh, we're going to get out into space on a, on a rocket ship, uh, of which we have been told multiple times now is uh, probably an unattainable goal and we're going to prove everybody wrong and we're going to go to space. I mean, we've done so well in flight simulator. Exactly. I landed, so no one thought I was going to be able to do that. I successfully landed a jumbo jet, so... Uh, yeah, you did. You did do that. And this is all leading up to the podcast-a-thon on September 17th from 12 to 8 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash RelayFM. Uh, we're going to be doing a bunch of wild, fun, incredible things with a whole host of uh, guests. Many of your favorite Relay FM hosts are going to be taking part as well as we always do. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on. I received just a huge box a couple of days ago full of questionable things that we're going to be using as part of the podcast-a-thon this year. Uh, so you, you got to check that out. It's going to be an excellent time. Good. Yeah, it is, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we'll keep talking about it, uh, but please 
go learn more, donate stjude.org slash relay. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike, we're going to talk about iPhones from space, but let's take a break. Yeah, it's not just us going to space. iPhones are going to do it too. Tim Cook, going to space. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Squarespace. Oh, it fits right in with what we're talking about. It's, all, it's, it's always a circle, well, a square. It's just space. It's all space. In space, no one can hear you build a website. But Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build your online presence and run your business, whether you're here on the ground or, I guess, in low Earth orbit. You can do it there, too. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, they have everything you need. They combine cutting-edge design with world-class engineering, making it easier than ever to establish your home online and to make your ideas a reality. Squarespace has everything you need to create a beautiful, modern website. You start with a professionally designed template and use drag-and-drop tools to make it your own, customizing the look and feel, the settings, the products you have on sale, so much more with just a few clicks. And all Squarespace websites are optimized for mobile. Your content automatically adjusts so it'll look great on any device. You'll get free unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, and the dependable resources that you need to succeed. There's nothing to patch or upgrade. Their 24-7 customer support is award-winning. So if you have any questions, someone is always around to help. Let's you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Plus, they have tools for SEO and email marketing as well. I've used Squarespace a whole bunch over the years, and it is my go-to when helping somebody build a website for a company or a project, whatever it may be, that is always my answer because you can do so much with it just right out of the box. So head on over to squarespace.com connected for a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CONNECTED to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name and to show you support for the show. Once again, that's squarespace.com connected and the code CONNECTED to get 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of Connected and all of FM. Ming-Chi Kuo has reported that the next iPhone would feature low-Earth orbit LEO satellite communication capabilities. This basically allows for an iPhone to make calls or send messages without any cell coverage. It's connecting to satellites instead. Quo expects this technology could also expand to other products that Apple makes in the future. I think we had a conversation about this a couple of days ago, just me and you. It wasn't a podcast conversation. We do actually have those. Um, And this seemed like an absolutely bonkers idea that I would never pay any attention to if it didn't come from Wing Chi Kuo, right? It would just be like, this doesn't make any sense. Why is this happening? I don't understand who's providing all of this. It kind of reminded me of the the way Kindles used to, I don't even know if they still work this way, but how you would get like 3G on them. It's Mm -hmm. just like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it for you, right? And it's just like- Paid for somehow. Yeah. And I had a Kindle, so this is a fun fun story, side story. The Kindle 2, I think, was the first Kindle that was released outside of America. This is when they got rid of the weird keyboard. Yeah. And I bought one of those. They made them available to the United Kingdom. But the cell service was roaming. Huh. So it was still provided by like Verizon or wherever it was but it was roaming. So whenever I would use the cell service, the battery would just, it would not, it just did not deal very well. And it took a really long time to download anything. I'm sure. It was was on a roaming plan. They actually didn't do a deal with a UK carrier at first. So 
super strange. Anyway, so um, I wouldn't have believed this. And then Mark Gurman also doubled down on it and reported, expanding, saying that this would ideally be intended for emergency calling and uh, and reporting. So... This is a quote. The first component, dubbed emergency message via satellite, will let users text emergency services and contacts over a satellite network when there's no cell signal available. That feature will be integrated into the Messages app as a third protocol alongside the standard SMS and iMessage and appear with gray message bubbles instead of green or blue. The second feature will be a tool to report major emergencies, such as plane crashes and sinking ships, also using satellite networks. It's very niche. I mean, yeah. I mean, I believe it because these sources are good at this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But definitely not something I think most people are ever going to need to use. Hopefully. I, I hope I never have to use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, but it's like if you have to, you maybe be happy that it's there, right? But it, it's, uh, it is an interesting feature for sure. It's expected that this would be included in the iPhone 13 but the feature will come later. And this Hmm. reminded me of like the UWB chip, right? Like the U1 chip or whatever they call it. Like it didn't really um, do anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) until the AirTags became a thing. Uh, Apparently Apple have considered using satellites of their own, of course, right? Uh, but have decided to rely on existing infrastructure. The Bloomberg report mentioned this company, it's like Global Networks or something is their name, uh, and their stock like jumped after this because sure. previous, though, like the week before, because there are a few companies that do this, the week before they had said that they had entered into an agreement with an unnamed company. Oh, interesting. Right? Uh, and because it's like they had to report it or something in their earnings and they just, they couldn't say who. Um and then one or two other companies said it wasn't them. And there's like limited companies that can do this. So it's expected that it's this one company. It's unlikely that this feature will be available everywhere after launch. There are local restrictions and stuff. Um, and also just coverage. Uh, and Apple also developed a UI ins- inside of iOS that will like tell people like, hey, move around, move over here until you get a signal kind of thing. Because hmm. this stuff isn't like instantly available everywhere right and this also kind of isn't satellite internet either right this is not starlink so you can Uh get rid of at&t this seems like a emergency pull cord type break glass kind of thing yeah it's um it's a really weird niche feature Uh, so here's the thing that i find particularly peculiar about this as well is like the timing of it so Mark Gurman's report also references that they will probably be using a Qualcomm chip like for the modem for this. Mm-hmm. Even though Apple is known to be developing their own modems, right? Like this is a thing. They they got into that deal, you may remember they like settled that deal with Qualcomm, right? And said that they would use their licensing for X amount of years or whatever. And then also bought Intel's modem business so they could make their own modems for the future, right? Because they don't want to be tied to Qualcomm. That was why they were having that dispute in the first place. Apple thought that they didn't want to pay all of their, or shouldn't believe they shouldn't have to have paid all the licensing fees. So it's intriguing to me to launch this feature, which I don't know if anyone's asking for, right? before you have your own modems when you are probably also working on it as well like it just maybe seems like this would be something to wait and do at the time when you can do it rather than now adding in this complexity so they now have added in something that they have to replace before they can ship their own modems 
because they can't take this feature away now that they add it into the phone, right? Oh, yeah. So if this makes it more comp- complex to ship their own modem system, they have now only made it harder for themselves to do that. I mean, or they're on the road and they know that, okay, in two years, we'll be able to move to our own Yeah, but then it makes me wonder, like, why not just wait? Like, this feature yeah. specifically, I, I don't know. And, you know, and always, there's always the story, right? And sometimes just the story of it is enough. Like, it's a feature they can add, so they add it. And, like, I personally go back to the uh, blood oxygen meter in the new Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much utility that really has had for most people. Like, it, it feels like it is not as useful as many of the other sensors. I have no doubt some people have had their lives saved, right? This is always the thing that happens, no doubt. But yeah. for most, it, and it would be the same with this, right? It, there would be a couple of lives saved. Oh, yeah. It's not a mass market feature, that's for sure, right? But like the blood oxygen thing, you can put it in an ad as well. So mm-hmm. it's a feature you can add that might help some people, but also it ends up being a cool marketing thing, and that's probably a reason to do it. But I, I do. It does give me that pause of wondering if they're making it more complicated for themselves to move over to their own uh, modems. Maybe are they fully on their own modems for five G yet? I don't, I don't know where no, that stands. No, it's all Qualcomm. It is Apple's. Okay. Apple's got none of their own modem technology. Yeah, they it's just bought. Qualcomm they right bought now. Intel's business right, and they're yeah, it's assumedly all working stuff. on that. Yeah, yeah, they were working on it anyway, and then the the main reason they bought Intel's business is so they could get patents of their own because mm-hmm. this was the problem that they were having. That's with right. Qualcomm. Yeah, patents are bad. I'm worried though, like for the future, that this is going to cause Apple some issues just because they are annoyed about having to pay licensing fees to Qualcomm. <laughs> like, Maybe they will switch over, and then everybody's cell service is going to be worse, and then we're all paying for their weirdness. The Apple maps of Cellular radios is what you're saying. You know what? Yes, that's the kind of exact thing I'm talking about. But this would be way worse because you oh, can't yeah. get a third party cell radio. <laughs> Someone makes like a lightning adapter. It's like, oh my God, that outboard. would work. Yeah, that's what, that's what Qualcomm's working on. They're going to give you, you just put it in a special case. It's just very conductive. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll know soon enough. It's going to be iPhone time here. It's a few years. It's going to be, oh, for this particular feature? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They might not mention it. Yeah, but you know, well, did they mention the ultra wideband, or that just gets shown up? Did that get show up in like the iFixit teardown? I don't think they mentioned it. I think I it just think showed up, it. and then yeah. then maybe they confirmed it. I think. I think it, yeah, because then it came out. They like, I think it was given to press about like, oh, there's a new, um, there's a new like air drop feature that I swear has never worked for anyone. I still don't know what it was meant to have done, um, but that was meant to be a thing. Maybe you'd be able to point your phone at someone and then it would share files, but it just never really seemed to work. Uh, well, we're talking about things that plug into things. Yeah. Uh, a couple of interesting Mac accessories have popped up. One I sent to you because you have a 24-inch iMac. Uh, Hyper, you, people may remember them. They had a Kickstarter like in 2016 when the USB-C MacBook Pros first showed up, like basically like a, a mega dongle that plugged into the side of it. But uh, they have a new a set, two new USB-C hubs designed for that M1 iMac. And they they sort of grip it at the bottom and give you ports around front, which is a great place to have ports on a computer. Yeah, we both have for our iMac Pros, they make a version for the iMac Pro of this type of thing, right? 
Is it them? It's somebody. Or is it Satechi? It's Satechi makes the one that, that you have on your iMac Pro and I, and I used to. And so it's just a basically putting ports on the front. Uh, yeah. I wanted to buy one of these just to see what it was like, but they don't ship to the United Kingdom. Oh, no. Yeah, it's Brexit, man. A bunch of companies just don't bother <laughs> anymore. It's like yeah. too much Oh, hassle. I don't know those people on that small uh, island. I, really, I was just wondering how well did they actually color match? Because mm. they give you... Like, it was just weird as well. It's just, just like a, just to deal with their logistics. You get a uh, front cover for all the colors yeah. of iMac, and you can swap them around. It's a bit heavily branded for my liking with the Hyper logo on the front. I would maybe prefer not to have that. Um, but I was intrigued. And plus, it is cool to have these things at the front. Uh, but they don't ship to me, so I won't be trying it. I mean, I think I bought my... Like, I buy products like this from Amazon every now and then. Like, it'll probably come to Amazon at some point in the future. Probably. Um, but, uh, so, it's not happening right now. Yeah, you would think someone else would do this. Yeah, Satechi has one. The Satechi one. For okay. the regular iMac. That's the one that, like, weirdly, like, just you stick it inside the fan vent, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's very sketch, but it's a good product. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's. I mean, I've really in, uh, enjoyed it. And oh, I forgot you don't have an iMac Pro, do you? No. You you have to. Maybe they should make one that you can stick into the top of your Mac Pro. You know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I have a thunder. I have a one of the small uh, Cal digits on my desk. So I have some ports on my desk now. But I thought, well, why does anyone make this for the Pro display? And then I remembered that it's just like USB two on the back. Uh, it's not Thunderbolt or anything or, you know, anything faster. So that's a bummer. They have two versions of this thing. They have one that they call the six in one and one that they call the five in one. And it's very confusing the way that they've named them because like, it's not like the $79 six in one gets one more port than the five in one. They're like completely different configurations of ports. Yeah. So the six in one has a HDMI, a 10 gigabit USB-C, two USB-A, one SD card, and one micro SD card, like, port. And then the 5-in-1 has two 5 gigabyte USB-C, two 5 gigabyte USB-A, a gigabit uh, USB-A, and then one 7.5 watt USB-A, so it can do power. The other mm-hmm. ones can't. It's very confusing, um, the choices. And also the fact that they're so incredibly different. I feel like they should be differently named because the first one is very clearly for people that deal with images and video. Right. And then the second one is just standard adapting. And I feel like they could have done a better job and maybe name them as such. Yeah, it's a little confusing. I thought the same thing. I kind of was looking at it and couldn't work out which one I wanted based on that. Yeah. Well, you don't get either one, so... No, I don't get either, yeah. Joke's on you. you know, yeah, the joke is, joke is on me, I suppose. <laughs> uh, also, something that, that popped up is the 12 South Stego Mini, mm-hmm. which is a... Um, it's a baby hub. It's a, ba- it's, a, it's a baby hub. And so... It's a tiny baby hub. Yeah. You can plug it right into the side of an iPad or something with USB-C, and it gives you USB-A, HDMI, headphone audio out... And then you another USB C port, but just for power. That one mm-hmm. doesn't get data. You can uh, yeah, you just plug it right into your iPad, or you can have it on your desk. It comes with this little braided cable. I have the full size Stego USB C hub, and I really like it. It's a very good simple hub. Like it's it's just a good like can give you a few extra ports when you need them kind of hub. 
because uh, it doesn't need to be powered like a lot of hubs do these mm-hmm. days. But that's because it's not doing anything heavy lifting. It's not doing Thunderbolt or anything like right. that, the, the regular one. Um, you just get HDMI, three USB ports, an Ethernet port, and that's it, and SD and micro SD card readers. So it's like a nice little thing. I have it. You know, I use I was using that a lot for my iPad Pro when I was using like a keyboard and mouse of my iPad Pro and putting mm-hmm. it on a laptop stand. That this was the hub that I was using for that. Um, I think that the Stego Mini that is a I don't know feels like a good impulse buy. Put it in your backpack. Never think about it until you need it. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, this is this is a cool this is a cool little product. Uh, Twelve South have been on a good run recently. Like they make that. Uh, I've been really, really happy with the iPad stand that they make. What is that one called? The Hoverbar Duo. Oh yeah, yeah, that is nice. Yeah, I really like that product. That is a very strong recommendation from me. The Hoverbar Duo. Mm-hmm. Um, they make so many things now. Their website has become difficult to navigate. Yeah, twelve south. A lot of stuff. Uh, they make a lot of stuff. Yeah, lots of like if you just need like a stand or a weird accessory, they probably have you. Have you covered? Didn't they make something really weird recently that you bought? Me. Not the candle, but something else. <laughs> Not the candle. I, I remember the candle, but I thought they made another weird product recently. I don't... Or was it an April Fool joke? They had an April Fool's joke, I think. Okay. That, oh, it was the rock. Right? Do, do they have the stone? Like the... We're off the beaten path now. I don't, I don't remember what, what you're talking about. It was like some sort of like... It was like a, it was a, I remember it was a wireless charger, but it looked, it was made out of like polished stone or marble or something. Oh yeah. 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 That was it. That was it. It was, yes. And then they were trying to see, uh, if people would want it. Yeah. There it is. Here it is. Stoner. It was called. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) It's pretty good. It's a MagSafe puck. Yeah. The perfect place for iPhone 12 to charge and chill. Mm-hmm. That's what their copy says. Mm-hmm. Anyways, lots of uh, fun little accessories. And, you know, you're building out a desk or something. It's always a fun time to look at these things. Yep, like you. Yeah, I really want to move to my new desk. Yeah, well, you can't. Because I have calendar situations. Yes. You Look, this is a bed that you've made for yourself. I know. The new desk is possible because the calendar is success. Yes. You need to wait. You need to package the calendars. Then you can move into the new area. This episode of Connected is also made possible by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how targeted your marketing content is or how sleek your website may be, People are going to leave the page is loading too slowly. Look, we all do it. We all are guilty of this. But if you're using real-time, real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how your website's performance is affecting your visitor's experience. So you can take action to fix things before your business is impacted, all for as low as just $10 a month. Whether your visitors are dispersed around the world, across browsers, devices, and platforms, Pingdom helps you identify bottlenecks, troubleshoot performance, and make informed optimizations. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it's built to scale. That means you can monitor millions of page views, not just sampled data. You can get the real data all at an affordable price. So get live site performance visibility today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com relayfm right now 
for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to buy, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for the support of the show and Relay FM. I was going to let you start this one. Oh, I was going to let you start this one. It's your topic. I don't really... Yeah, but then I thought you could like introduce the topic and then hand it to me. Okay. All right. Okay. So you mentioned your new uh, desk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that desk is inside of a structure called the pod cabin, which I named and, and you've stolen and never credited me. No, it wasn't. Was it you? Yeah, I came up with that. I knew it came from the internet, but I wasn't sure who. Yeah, I'm it, sorry. Was, it was from it was from me in our in our uh, super secret text channel because I have the uh, podcastle here. Do you? Is that what it's which called? Is what I'm, that's the the structure that I have built inside of my studio was named on my Twitch stream as the podcastle because they can see it behind me when I'm streaming. So this is like these huge blankets, these like soundproof blankets and things that I've got in this little cocoon that I'm in right now. Anyway, so the pod cabin, which and the reason that I named it as such is that your studio now looks like a cabin, yes. which is beautiful. It looks beautiful. Uh, how are you deciding to protect the incredibly expensive Mac collection that only you care about um, uh, a, inside of that building. A dragon. Oh, great. Do you want to move on? Yeah. Okay. Who's next? Does it seem like it'd be a tech topic, but there you go. It's technologically it quite difficult to look after uh, a dragon. It's not as hard as you would think. You just put an air tag on them and mm-hmm. listen for screaming, and that's how you know where they went. Speaking of air tags... Oh we're going to get back to this topic eventually, but you started this. So I've installed iOS 15 on my phone now. I feel like now is the time to do it for me. Mm-hmm. And I was at the studio uh, and I went out to get a coffee and my phone was like, hey, you left your bag behind. Oh, yeah. So this was my introduction to this new feature of AirTags and all devices letting you know uh, when you leave the place where they are. So it's it's easy with home because it it, it sets that up on its own so if you like if you leave your home it's not going to say hey you left your mac at home right but because i have also this studio space where i also leave stuff it's just good though because you can add this in um you can do it on a product by product basis or for all products uh where you're like don't tell me if i uh, like don't don't alert me if i leave this place and uh haven't taken this product with me which is good. So now, like I've kind of said it, so if I leave my iPhone at the studio, it's going to tell me, hey, you left your iPhone at the studio. But if I leave my backpack at the studio, it's not going to hey, say, hey, you left your backpack at the studio. It's a cool feature, though. So it's the idea you get disconnected from your AirTag or a device that's in the Find My app. It's going to be like, hey, you forgot it. Yeah, I turned that off for the one that's in my truck because like, I don't need to know when I go inside my house every time that my truck's on the street. The truck is going to be a particularly difficult one because you're always leaving it and it's not in the right. same place. Like every time you go in the grocery store, it's like, hey, your Tacoma's parked at so-and-so. I was like, yeah, I know. I drove it there <laughs> and I parked it yep. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put a picture of the pod cabin in the show notes if you haven't seen it. Uh, so you can see why it's called the pod cabin. It is very cabin-y. So I've had uh, Nest cameras for, for years, really, uh, and I wanted one for this space looking out, you know, so... If anyone, if anyone approaches it, I can let the dragon free. And uh, the, well, the problem I had is I, I didn't want to have to drill into the new pod cabin to run power 
you know, from the outside to the inside for a Nest camera. Because up until very recently, all Nest cameras were hardwired to power. They didn't have a battery option for an exterior camera. But maybe like a month ago, they announced a battery-powered exterior Nest camera. I thought, great. I can mount this thing on the outside of the building. I can keep an eye on things. I'm already in the Nest ecosystem. It's going to work great. So I ordered one. It came in. The install is really easy. You basically just put like this mounting plate on the building and then it attaches it with magnets. Maybe it's too easy uh, to install, but they say they'll replace it if it's stolen. So that's nice. Oh, you can't lock it? Uh-uh. Hmm. How long does the battery last on these things? I don't, well, I don't know because it didn't stay up very long, which I'm, I'm getting to. Okay, like they didn't, you didn't notice it didn't say like, hey, is this a six-month battery or whatever? Uh, it's not even no, it's a rechargeable thing and it comes with this little... Kind of like a little MagSafe puck, actually, that it charges on. Huh. Uh, they may say on their website how long how long the battery is. But um, uh, so anyways, get it, set it up, install it, and right away realize that it this new Nest camera doesn't work with the Nest app. Good. Which is like, I guess Google now considers a legacy. You have to use the new Google Home app okay. for the new cameras. Uh, the problem is the Google Home app is bad it right it really lacks almost all the options and settings that are in the old nest app and that this new camera doesn't even show up in the old nest app it has no idea this camera exists Mm -hmm. Uh, it does seem like the android version is farther along and google for months now has made promises that it's going to make it like feature parity with the nest app and they just they haven't done it so that was a real bummer it's like well i don't want to have like one camera and one app and the other couple in another app, I was like, well, I'll just move everything into the home app. And that's when I realized like, oh, it's lacking a lot of settings and control that I that I want to have. The Google Home app. The Google Home app. Yes. Yeah. All these companies have products the same name. It's very confusing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also some, some other issues, particularly with the new crop of Nest cameras. This one is 1080, not 4K, like the um, some of the other Nest cameras are. I assume that's a battery life deal it's like way less data to process okay makes sense there's also no web live stream so on the on the wired nest cameras you can go to home.nest.com and look at your camera feed can't do that with this wait there's no way to manually pull clips for saving offline well uh, i have to stop you a second Mm -hmm. if you can't view it live what is the point right exactly you can view it live in the app but not on the web oh oh okay then I, that's not so much of a problem okay right but this camera is not so all the the wired nest cameras you can have them running all the time which is how mine mm-hmm. are so i can look back over the last 30 days and i have 24 hour coverage of like say looking out my front door but this battery powered one doesn't do that um and so that was all it was like it was all just one bummer after another and I sort of had this realization, I tweeted it the other day, that I've never felt more punished for buying into an ecosystem than I do with Nest. Mm. Because they not only have been very slow to roll out new hardware, like almost every other company in this field has a battery-powered exterior camera, which is like, it's great for outside, right? Like, if so you don't have to run power, or like cut a hole in your house and run a cable through your attic, right? It's just very clean. Yeah, but they're super late to it. Uh, the new app, the new app, the new Google Home app is just not very useful. The Nest app, the old Nest app, is cluttered, but at least everything's there that you could need. And 
they just keep promising that stuff is going to to happen and it keeps not happening. And they don't necessarily even stand by their old products. So years ago, they were going to drop support for like the original drop cam, uh, which is what Nest started as. And I guess they got bought by anyways that was discontinued the secure which i use in my office like a keypad and motion sensors and stuff also discontinued and i just kind of realized like why am i like i have a, i have a chance to start over like in this new you know expanded building and why am i putting up with this ecosystem where like google has just fumbled nest so badly yeah i mean it, it's really pretty pretty shocking how, how badly they've managed it yeah, like the, the, the meta thing here is that like Google tried a couple of times to do something with Nest. Like remember, like Nest was a company on its own and they did thermostats. Then Google bought them and did a bunch of stuff with them and then tried to uh, increase the offering. Then they decided they were going to integrate it into Google and then decided, no, that was a bad idea. We're going to spin it back out as Nest again because mm-hmm. people don't trust us with Google. Like, that was one of the main reasons. It was like a brand thing. Like, people didn't necessarily trust Google with their home security system. Yeah. So then they they put it back out into Nest again. And so they keep going around and around. But then you would have to ask yourself, why do they insist that you put all of the Nest products in the Google Home app, mm-hmm. right, as you say? Yeah. Um, which is just really, that's just really frustrating, especially if they don't fully support all of the stuff, new and old, in the same system. Yeah, it, it is, it is definitely frustrating and so yeah i kind of took the you know took took all this in i was like you know what i know like basically other people in my family are all using ring stuff at home i know you're using ring in your studio yeah i was like well let me give this a shot in the office and i know like ring is a very complicated company to talk about they have the same problem nest does that they're owned by a much bigger company that some people don't trust they were really late to end in encryption they have had a lot of like political social issues with like data being reported to police departments and stuff. Like I know it's a complicated company to talk about for my, and I've only had this stuff for like four or five days, but going through the, the app, you can turn a bunch but of that it off. It seems like these days there isn't, there isn't a tech company that doesn't report stuff to the police. That's true. Like, this That's, is just yeah. a thing that happens now. It's like, the tech companies are as much a law enforcement as anybody else at this point. Uh, we saw that with the CSAM stuff with Apple, yes, right? Yes, that's ex- one of the things I'm exactly referencing, yeah. right? Like, that's what I'm thinking about. Like, th- where it's the, you know, in a lot of this stuff is like, when it's done right, it's the right thing to do. The problem is, it isn't always the right thing to do. So, it's very murky. But in setting it up, it seems like you can you can really customize the privacy stuff maybe a lot more than you used to be able to. Mm-hmm. And so I picked up their combined outdoor, like outdoor spotlight thing. You know, it's like two lights and a camera in the middle. This is Ring, right? Ring, yes. Yeah. And uh, the Bezos light, as I've called it. <laughs> and it was really easy to set up. Their app is like so customizable. You can really. I would say to a fault. It's it can be fiddly. I think it's pretty confusing sometimes to realize what like for me. So I have the full like ring security system. So like it's got like 
a hub and I've got sensors for doors and windows yep. and a couple of cameras, like the whole the whole nine yards, right? Because that's what I wanted for the studio. I wanted like my own uh, internet controlled security system. Mm -hmm. And when I was buying this, this was basically my only option for anything half decent. And I and I was not into this like just get a home bridge bot like no right because I did try that once and it was a friggin' disaster yeah uh, but I wasn't gonna trust that with a security system plus I wanted the whole like monitoring system you know that you can get with these things especially one of the things I actually really like about Ring is the box has a 3G card in it so if I lost power it still can communicate yeah so, it's, like, it's if, got a battery as well. It's got it. a battery and three G in it, which is just like I think you know that whole like package. I just think is really is really interesting. I've forgotten my point now. I apologize. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, but oh, 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 but when I was setting it up, it's like trying to get the cameras and when I want them to notify me and in what modes and stuff. Like mm -hmm. it takes a while, and there's still stuff that I'm not sure I got completely the way that I wanted. Um, but on the flip side, you can also be very particular so like i have a sensor on the back door in the studio which will always sound the alarm even if i'm in it yeah like right, that should not like ever go off it shouldn't because the door should never be opened so it, it all ties in really well to each other and i agree with you the app can be fiddly but compared to something like the google home app which has basically <laughs> very few settings in it, it is a kind mm -hmm. of a sense of relief so, uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of going down this road and I think over time I will, uh, eventually replace the nest stuff with ring stuff, you know, as I, you know, stuff like this goes on sale. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so for instance, my dad's like whole house is outfitted with ring and he's like, when he was in Costco and they had a three pack of cameras or door sensors, he would just get them and add them, you know? So mm -hmm. it is nice that you can kind of build it up over time. And so far I've been happy with, again, it's just out here in the studio, but even in this sort of limited test, it's been pretty good. You got a little, um, echo thing too, right? Echo show thing. I did. It came with one of the, I think with the security like the base station, the right. Echo Show 5, which is adorable. Uh, <laughs> it is really adorable. It's like this little, uh, it's like a smartphone Echo Show. Mm -hmm. And I could pull the camera feed up on it, and I have the Echo Assistant, which I haven't had in a long time because we're all HomePod in the house, and my family prefers that. And I have a HomePod out here. But I was like, I would like something that I could just pull up the camera feed and just like keep an eye on it, you know, if I'm expecting a delivery or no, something. No, that is cool. Like if I had, because all my security stuff here is internal, right? I don't have uh -huh. anything external. If I had something external, I would probably also want one of those so you could watch the camera feed whenever you wanted. Yeah. And like, again, like I just want to underscore like a point that I think we're both trying to make. Like I know it is getting somewhat possible for you to like, start stringing this stuff together on your own. Like I have a friend who just bought a bunch of those cameras. They like the Arlo cameras, the company that Anchor owns. You can get a whole thing and you can hook them all up. I don't know if they have outside. It might just be inside, but you can like hook them all up and it's like you you have it all stored locally and it can, the app can ping you when there's motion detected and all that kind of stuff and it has mm -hmm. no service to it. And like, if that's your bag, go for it. But that isn't always what people want and yeah. I don't want that. I want there to be a service uh, that is monitoring this 
place so that if I am not here or if I uh, need the help or if like I don't answer the notification mm-hmm. that someone can check on this and call the authorities if needed. Like, yeah. If this studio gets broken into, I am in trouble, Yeah, right? <laughs> like I have a lot of gear here. It's worth a lot to me. Um, I want to have like a full-on thing. Uh, okay, so my the person I was talking about is out of themselves. It was James Thompson. Uh, he set up a, a, a family member's house, and they have outside and inside cameras with the Arlo system. And like I said, like that is cool for you. Like if it's what you want, uh, but that's not what I want. And yeah. like I want to, I want to pay. There are some things where I want to pay someone for it, and this is one of those things. I want to pay, and I want to pay a security company like a fee. So that if something goes wrong, we are under contract, right? Like now you have to replace it, repair it, deal with it, you know, as opposed to me being the security administrator and the tech administrator and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way about, about my office space and you can do, like you said, some of this is coming to other places. I know David Sparks is big into like the home kit secure video stuff, but I tend to think about this the way that you think about it. It's like, I want, um, I want something watching over this, right? Mm-hmm. So I signed up for the thing and you can put an emergency contact in there. Like it's all it's all really well thought through. And and that that's really what kills me about Nest is like you they were so early to this, right? I mean, you could buy Nest Cams years, but for years it was kind of like the only thing worth it on the market. Yep. And they just have let it all go. This is why Google bought them, right? Because they were doing something and they were making really good looking stuff that worked well mm-hmm. and it was cool and people liked it. So Google were like, oh, we'll take a slice of that. But so much as Google does, they buy something and they don't know what to do with it or they mess it up. So it has been uh, disappointing to to see that unfold. But uh, trying this out and I'll probably check it back in, you know, down the road sometime. But so far I've been really impressed with it. It's uh, the Anchor Ufi, not Arlo. I don't know if yes. Arlo is a thing or if I just made that up in my brain. Arlo's another camera company, I believe. Okay, E-U-F-Y. Yeah, the, that's what Sparks uses. Great. Yeah, I mean, I know that these have, or at least will have the HomeKit thing, but I also don't want to do that, the HomeKit secure video thing. Like, no, it's, it's I, I don't either. And maybe it's better, but last time I tried a HomeKit camera, because I have one of those... Logi Circles. Remember, it was, like, it was like one of the first ones I bought one to... Mm-hmm. And then we talked about it on the show. Talk about lack of control over when things notify you. It was a nightmare. And I've even thought, like, maybe I bring the Ring stuff in, you know, in via Homebridge, but I don't even think I'm going to do that. I think I'm just going to let it kind of live in the Ring app. Don't, man. It was a mess. I, I don't recommend it. I, yeah. really, I really don't. I, I, I know people have had good experiences with Homebridge, but like... I've had a very bad experiences with Homebridge. You know, you just kind of got to wait yourself out a little bit longer, a couple of years or two, and it'll all be accessible via that matter standard somehow. Yeah. But like, you know, look, I have a bunch of HomeKit products here at the studio and at home. Every couple of days, one of them gets lost somewhere, right? Like no response on the light or like one device can't find one of my Hue lights, but the other device can. I'm not going to trust my home security camera to the system. Like, I'm not going to do that. I don't trust that it will work well enough. You know, it's like I ask my HomePod, turn off the lights, and it's like, oh, I can't find the internet. Mm-hmm. And then, But then my phone, I just pull my phone out and I can turn them off from the control center. It's like I don't trust this system enough 
to now say, please watch over my home in case I'm burgled. I think that's totally fair. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Hello. Hello makes incredibly comfortable buckwheat pillows. These are really different than regular fluffy pillows. They don't collapse uh, under your head and neck. You're not turning it over in the middle of the night to find the cool side because it's always cool. Because these things stay dry and cool They because they breathe better. So you don't get all warm and sticky at night. You can also add or remove filling to suit your needs. So you can make it as tall as you want it or as, as short as you want it. You can really dial it in just the way you want. Buckwheat pillows are a bigger deal than you may think. They're very popular in all parts of the world, and they appear on pillow menus at fancy hotels. The ability to adjust and change the hello is really what I appreciate about it. We've all had those nights where we're in a hotel or maybe staying, you know, someplace we're not normally are, and the pillow is too tall or too short, and you wake up with a, you know, a sore neck or something. There's no adjustment like that with Hello because you can really dial it in and get exactly what you want. I really recommend trying them out. Hello is made in the US of A with quality construction and materials. The certified organic cotton case is cut and sewn for durability, and the buckwheat is grown and milled in the United States. So you can try one of these for 60 nights. And if it's not for you, you can send it back for a refund. Head on over to hellopillow.com slash connected right now to get your own buckwheat pillow. That's H-U-L-L-O pillow, hellopillow.com slash connected. And if you buy more than one, they have a special discount of up to $20 off depending on the size you're looking at. They have fast free shipping with every order and 1% of their profits are donated to the Nature Conservancy. So give Hello a try. If you love it, keep it. If you don't, send it back. Head on over to hellopillow.com slash connected. Our thanks to Hello for their support of the show and Relay FM. So there's been a bit of hubbub around the next Apple Watch over the last few weeks. So we're going to talk about that, but we're going to start with like a bit of a refresher as to kind of like what we know or believe is going to be happening uh, for the Apple Watch going forward. So back in June... Actually, starting in May, uh, John Prosser reported that there would be, that the Apple Watch would get flat sides, smaller bezels, and that there would be a green option for the Apple Watch Series Seven. Uh, then in June, uh, Mark Gurman corroborated this right, like with some of the basic stuff, like it's going to have a faster chip, uh, it's going to do some new things, and it's also and it's going to have smaller bezels, flat sides as part of a design refresh. Then um, some sites, including Mac Rumors, uh, got sent some images of a a 45 millimeter Apple Watch band. So this this sent a lot of people in uh, some areas of the internet that I'm in into a bit of a a tizzy, I'll (laughs) say, as they were convinced that none of their Apple Watch bands were going to fit anymore. And so I would like to just give people a reminder of the way that this stuff works. So... Remember, we've already done this once, right? We went from, what was it, 42 to 44? It was 38, 42, and now 40, 44, I think. Okay. Is that right? The Discord will tell us if we're wrong about that. Apple Watch sizes are hard to remember. There's been millimeter changes. But what we're talking about, when Apple talks about the millimeter changes of the Apple Watch, it's the size of the screen. It's not the size of the watch. Right. So what is most likely to occur here is the watch's physical size is not going to change, so your bands won't need to be replaced. But the screen is going to get bigger if they flatten out the edges. 
because what they're going to do is they will just take like if you look at your Apple Watch, it will be basically what like what they did to the iPhone. The iPhone used to have rounded edges. What they did was they flattened the edges and expanded the screen out to get to that edge point, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of like the surface area of the iPhone screen or whatever went up, right? Because it no longer was dealing with like it being there and then the edges went around the side in a curve. It just right. flattened out and they brought the screen out. The same as what happened with the iMac, the same as what happened with uh, the iPad, and on and on and on. They're going to do it with every other product they can. Uh, so your bands are going to work. That's going to be fine. You can take this. This is a Mike Hurley guarantee, right? Your bands oh, are going to be fine. I'm willing to put my guarantee on the line here. Uh, your bands are going to be fine. They're going to work. They're not going to change the sizes, physical sizes of the band attachments. But they, they are going to change the names of the watches again. So it will probably change to like 41 millimeters and 45 millimeters. Um, or 43 and 45, whatever. Yeah, 43 and 45 it will go to rather than 42 and 44, which is what we have right now. And so, yeah, the screen's going to get bigger, so that will... your. But I will say your watch will look bigger. Um, when you look at your watch, it's going to look larger because the face is going to be larger. And this is, again, similar to how just watch design is done in general. You know, you say this is a 42-millimeter watch. It's, it's measuring the watch face, what goes around, the adornments around the watch face are not included in the size. This is the same as phones, right? You know, we talk about like, the, oh, this one is 6.7 inches. We're talking about the screen. You know, like if there's additional stuff around the outside, it's, this is not the size. And this again, right? iPads are the same. Macs are the same. We talk about them in their screen sizes, but their physical dimensions are typically bigger than their screen sizes, right? It's not like gets to the edge of the screen and then the thing just stops. So that's what's going to happen to the Apple Watch. Uh, 9 to 5 Mac had some renders of what they think this could look like. Uh, and it made me realize, um, I've been thinking about this, It is the Apple Watch is very overdue a design change. Very, very overdue. Yeah, it's it's basically the same as day one. It hasn't changed. Yeah, I mean, they, they made the screens bigger. But that's it. That's not a design change, right? Like the, the, the No, it, it, it's still the Airstream trailer sort of vibe. That footprint and like the the like the way it looks, the the round chunky edges, like to me it feels incredibly dated at this point. I mean, it's old. It's like mm-hmm. 2015 this thing was shown off. Like this is old now. It's like 7 years old nearly. 6 yeah. years, 7 years old. And I kind of like I don't mean this to be mean, but like when I look at it now, it feels like kind of like Fisher Price to me compared to the rest of Apple's other products. It isn't sleek. It feels chunky and like rounded and like like it's a safety watch, right? Like it's meant to bounce <laughs> or something, you know? Like right. it's got that kind of look to me now. Like I was when I was thinking about this preparing for today's episode, I was actually genuinely really surprised that it's taken them this long before they've changed the physical design of the Apple Watch. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at what has changed, it's been finishes and it's actually gotten a hair thicker. And as you say, the screen size has changed. Like yeah. Little bits and bobs have changed, but like the overall silhouette has remained the same. Yeah. And I think for, for what it's worth, these renders, which uh, we can get into, it's, it's basically bringing the flat side design of the iPad Pro and the iPhone 12, mm-hmm. bring that to the Apple Watch. And I think the combination of that and smaller bezels, it's really going to make this watch feel a lot more 
a lot more modern. And I think, I think looking so. at this, if this is how they go, the old one is going to look really old to basically everybody else, right? Like I agree with you, but I think most people don't just like it just is an Apple Watch is what it is. But this is going to really change change it up in terms of how it looks and I think how it feels on your on your wrist potentially too. Even if it isn't actually thinner, things with flat sides tend to look thinner, I think. Because you, yeah, I think I, one of the reports actually suggested it will be a, like a little bit thicker, but not in such a way that you would notice. Because right now, like if you look, like I'm looking at my watch sort of head on, you your eyes kind of follow the curve to the surface and it's hard to define, okay, when am I on the side and then when am I on the top, right? And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this. I'm, I'm curious, you are more into watches than I am. Mm-hmm. What do you feel about the flat sides? Like, do you like that look? Oh, for a watch, you think it'd be weird feeling like, you know, all what do you watches think? have them, right? Like regular watches don't have like these big curvy sides to them. Like, and I know people are concerned. They're like, oh, it's going to stab me. Like, don't worry. Like, you're going to be fine. Like, this is what watches look like. They they have the, the face and then it goes down and then it comes to the bottom. And there'll be different chamfers and, you know, there'll be some with different platforms and stuff. But every watch that I own has what I would consider to be flat sides. Like that Draplin watch that you own. Yeah. The edges are flat on it. I mean, the the watch is round, right? But the edges are flat on the sides because it's sleek that way. You don't have more case than you need around the edge of the watch. Neither do you, you know, and a lot of watches have bezels, but that's like a design rather than required, right? Um, in a lot of cases. So, like, I think that this is going to be a much nicer looking watch. Uh, I do not believe it will be uncomfortable to wear. I know that people w- won't be sure about that. And I get it. Like, if you've, if the main watch that you've worn in your life, which could be many of our listeners, is an Apple watch, uh, this isn't going to be, in my opinion, any less comfortable, right? Like, I move from watch to watch and I never feel like any of my watches with uh, flat asides are like digging into me or whatever. Um, so, I, you know, I think that's going to be really fine. Like, do, do not worry about that. And I think this looks much sleeker. Uh, I think it's going to look potentially more like a computer watch than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um but they're never going to get away from that, so they may as well lean into it. Yeah. Like from in my perspective, they will not get away from this for as long as they refuse to make a circular one. Hmm. Like that is when they can actually make the Apple Watch look like a watch. I think because I think that Samsung's watches look like watches. Yeah, they do. That are also computers because they're round. Right. I think that that I think it's a big difference. This is always going to look like a tiny phone because phones are square and like rectangular, right? So it's it's going to have that look to it. Um, but I think that this look is a much needed refresh. Like you know, obviously these renders aren't how it's going to look, but I I would be very confident it's going to look really close to this. So uh, this is the thing that I am most um, jazzed about when thinking about a new Apple Watch is a new industrial design because watches are fashion, right? And Apple knows this because they give you new colors and new bands and new finishes every year. And so it is now in thinking about it, which I have been for quite a bit over the last few days preparing for this episode, I am really surprised that we have never seen a different case design. We've maybe had like two or three redesigns of the iPhone in that time? Three. I mean, really. I mean, well, two if you count, if you just talk about sides, because it came out at the same time as the iPhone 6. But, 
since then we had the iPhone 10, right, and then the 12, and so yeah, so two, yeah, it, it, and I, I wonder too. For so long, I think it's less true now, but in the beginning at least, every new watch was so much better than the one mm-hmm. before it, right? Speed-wise, mm-hmm. like, I don't know the last time you used an original Apple Watch, but it is unbelievably slow in hindsight. Mm-hmm. And having that to deal with, I just, I wonder if this was something that maybe they felt like we can't really do this until we are further along with the technology inside of it. Yeah, I think you're right. They were focusing on the things that they immediately needed to focus on and not having to design new internals to fit a new case design every couple of years probably helped them get the watch to the point that it's at now, right? It's one less thing to have to think about. Like you just know this is the size, these are the dimensions. This is what we have to play with. But I think that the Apple Watch Series 6 to me, shown that they have run out of ideas for now because I don't really feel like the Apple Watch Series 6 was a meaningful upgrade uh, over the 5 right? in the way that I think every watch had been before that one. I think it was the first one where it was like, I don't really know what they're selling me here. Like, This doesn't really make sense to me as a product that I would feel like I would need to upgrade to, even from like the Series 4 watch. Mm-hmm. Because like the Series 5 made sense, and if you didn't go for the Series 5, I don't know why you would then go for the Series 6, right? Uh, so I think maybe now, now is time, right? With Series 7, you can redesign. Because especially as a Wall Street Journal report uh, talking about Series 8 and beyond, so the 2022 and beyond watch. So, you know, if they're targeting for Series 8 to have more sleep tracking features, to detect different sleep patterns and sleep apnea. Apple is still working on a blood pressure sensor. Now, this is something that Samsung's most recent watches do, and it's obviously not compl- like not as good as a proper blood pressure monitor where you put in the cuff on and stuff. But there are like these electrowave patterns that you can use that if you get a baseline from somebody taking a reading on a proper machine and you input that baseline, it can calibrate it and then like can do some sensing. I don't know if this is what Apple's going to do, but maybe. Um but this like blood pressure is one thing. Uh, blood glucose monitoring is something they're still working on. Uh, putting a thermometer in the Apple Watch to help with fertility planning. They don't know when these are going to appear, but these are the areas that Apple's focusing on for health. And the Series 7, so this year's watch, is currently not expected to have any new health-related sensors. So it's a, it's a new design driving the... It feels like that they will use this as a year to say, hey, here's the new design. That's what we're doing with the Apple Watch. Yeah. And then adding fuel to the fire, there have been rumors over the past few days from uh, Nikkei in Asia, corroborated by Bloomberg, that uh, there could be potential delays or shipment constraints, probably both, for this new Apple Watch as they are having some issues adjusting to the new design and manufacturer. Um I expect now, if this is the case, that we'll probably see the Apple Watch in October along with new Macs rather than September with new iPhones. And don't forget, last year was the first year that, and it set a precedent, the Apple Watch came out before the iPhone. Do you remember that? Vaguely. They had the Apple Watch and iPad event first. Then they had the iPhone event after that, and then they had a Mac event after that in the fall. I don't remember if it came out, but it was at least shown off. So I could imagine them releasing the iPhone in September and maybe the Apple Watch a little bit later if it's not ready. 
Last year was also the iPad Air, and then it set for a month until yeah, the, yeah. I mean, who knows what? Because it needed what was it the iPad Air had the chip that the iPhone was going to get right, and then also it needed iOS thirteen. So yeah, the, the timeline definitely it, it could be the, like the iPad is like oh we have a new watch and then it'll ship next month right and the phone is sooner. I mean who knows? I do think though even if it's not a big even if it's not a big change from a health sensor angle you, you know if people are buying an apple watch every three or four years they're going to scoop up people who are on the series four right maybe you had an original yep. or a series one or two you bought it when it got bigger and now you're in the market again and you'll do a new design right and so maybe from that perspective if you count the larger screen as a a reason to upgrade and i think it, it definitely could be then having this now I think makes maybe a little more sense than waiting until you can also cram in a bunch of new sensors, right? Because Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. And also you have the expectation of putting a watch out every year. And so you mm -hmm. gotta be able to to do that. I think this was an upgrade somebody asked this question about like should the watch still be a year over year product? And I think that we might start approaching the point soon where it might become more tricky for them to do that. I mean, if you talk about low-hanging fruit, there's not a ton of that left. Mm -hmm. And so I could see it becoming an 18 months thing. There's, there's a lot of plans, right? Like all these sensors would be amazing, but they're really hard to do and to do well. And the ramifications are much higher because you're dealing with people's health. Um, so it can be, you know, you've got to get it right. Like, But yeah, I think that it would make sense. And I think this would be a big like product that people would want um, because of the design. Actually, for the exact reason that you mentioned earlier, that people would see it and it would make their Apple Watches look really old. Yeah, for something you wear every day, it, that's, you know, like you said, it's a fashion thing. And so I could see this if this design comes to pass, and I hope it does. I think it looks fantastic that this could be a, a pretty big Apple Watch cycle. Considering we're talking about the Apple Watch today, uh, I have some assorted thoughts about the Apple Watch that I would like to share. Okay. So I've been wearing an Apple Watch every day for like the last couple of months, maybe a bit longer, because uh, I've been working on some health-related stuff and the Apple Watch is part of making it work. Um, it's helping me be accountable for steps and activity and, and it's also helping me just like push myself to do some extra stuff, like make some different choices. Uh in the essence of essence of trying to fill up my exercise ring or my activity ring or whatever. So I've been wearing the watch for that. Uh, my biggest complaint with the watch is the design, in, like the design of the watch itself and the design of the watch faces. This will The watch faces, I feel like this will be a thing that I will never be happy with. I'm never going to be happy with the watch faces because I have just issues with, like I feel like they're both not, watchy enough and not computery enough depending on what i want right like i never feel like i'm going to be happy with that um i honestly think the only way to solve this problem is for apple to let other people design watch faces i feel like it's the only way that i'm ever going to be happy because then you'll have way more choice i think that watch face design shouldn't be constrained just to apple like i genuinely believe this this is not an original thought but I don't buy, like, I would never buy just one company's watches if I was buying watches because I want to choose the designs that I like 
and they may be in a design period, say, if you choose, like, I don't own a Rolex, but I'll just say Rolex. I don't really like Rolexes personally, but I've just picked Rolex because it's a watch brand that people know. If Rolex are in a, like a, they've been designing watches for like a couple of years and they've gone into a design pattern that I'm not a fan of, I won't keep buying Rolexes. I will go and look at what else is available on the market, right? Like maybe I go and look at Omega instead, right? With Apple, there's kind of nothing you can do if you want an Apple watch. Mm-hmm. So it, it they they ripped for I I honestly think for me to be ever to be happy with watch face design, it has to come with third parties designing those watch faces as well, because then lots more people's point of view can be expressed in this design area um, than what Apple is doing. Um, so that's that. But then the just the physical design of the watch I'm unhappy with, but I already spoke about that. Uh, there's just one other thing I wanted to share. It's just like a real frustration for me. So do you use uh do you use the Apple Watch for workouts? Yeah. Okay, do you have do you use the workout app? Apple's workouts app. Yes. Why do I have to see the time to walk thing? At the top? <laughs> I think you can turn that off. If you can, please somebody tell me, because I don't know how to get rid of it. Uh this is Apple's part of Fitness Plus. It's time to walk, right? It's just, they have these sessions and at the top of the workouts app. I don't want them. Uh I don't need them. And the thing that frustrates me the most about this is the rest of the workout options in the workouts app, they sort themselves based on recency. So, you know, like the the things that you do the most or do most often go to the top. Well, except for time to the time to walk, which is always number one. And it, it infuriates me because this is like, you know, one of those things where like Apple is making my experience worse to try and sell me something that I already pay them for. I am I'm already a Fitness Plus customer because I'm in the premium Apple One whatever thing. So they don't need to keep showing me this. Like I can go and find it. Like I can go and get it if I want that. But I don't need to see the time to walk stuff at the top of the workout app on the Apple Watch constantly. It is not something that I require. So it, I find it really, I find, this is one of those things I find it so frustrating, especially because of the way Apple Watch design works. It's basically the entire UI available to me. I have to scroll past it every single time to start a workout. So that is just a frustration I want to share. If somebody knows how to get rid of this on the Apple Watch, please tell me. I don't know how to get rid of it, uh, and it's it's driving me mad. Yeah, I was trying to scroll through. Maybe I made that up. I think you may have made that up because I have, I have spent a lot of time. Oh, swipe left to delete it on the watch, says Alex. No, is that see. a thing you can do? What, and then it's just never going to come up again? Let me try. Workout. Oh, it's deleted. Okay, that was it. That is so stupid. Thank you, Alex. My God. Why did I do this? Especially if you already That's paid so for annoying. it. That's so annoying. Yeah, like, just let me get it in the activity app. I don't know why it's in the workout app. Alex, thank you so much. You have just made my life better. Uh, because Apple was trying to make it more annoying because for some reason they wanted me to listen to Naomi Campbell as I walk around and I don't really know why because I don't do this stuff like I don't take these outside walks and because you know what I'll do I'll listen to a podcast of my own choosing by people <laughs> that I genuinely do care about as opposed to random celebrities like telling me a story because they got paid to tell me a story well, some some personal news I've been contacted by Apple to do a walking with Steven but I guess you won't listen no I won't listen to it because it's you you've sold out Podcast is not going to pay for itself. That's true. Well, Calendar's paid for that. 
big money hack it. But okay, so um, I will remove 50% of my complaint because it is removable. But the point that I've had to deal with it all this time because there isn't an obvious way to get rid of it uh, was really annoying for me. So uh, luckily, Alex is better than uh, Apple UI design because I should have just been offered the ability to make it show rather than it being pushed in my face, in my well, opinion. You know, Apple likes to be pushy about its services and then hide all of its controls now. So you yep. you wandered into the perfect storm. So are you wearing it every day, just mm-hmm. days you work out? Nope, every day. Every day, yeah, me too. I'm not particularly happy about it, but I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, I went, I went about a year or maybe less than a year, maybe like nine months without it, and um, you know, put it back on, and I enjoy the other stuff beyond the fitness stuff too. So I, I think I'm in the market. If there's a flat-sided Apple Watch, get that, and uh, I think uh, I think it, it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm I'm um, very keen to have a brighter always-on display. Yes, which was something that came with the previous six model, yeah. the six. Um, I I like the always-on display. I think it was a necessary, needed thing. I'm just the thing that I'm really like just bummed out about is I really want the ceramic one. I want a ceramic one, and I'm not convinced that they will make a ceramic one. But that's what I want. I don't want any of the metal finishes that Apple make. I don't want any of the colored ones, and so I I don't really want just like one of their metal finishes, but I figure it's probably all I'm going to have available to me. Unless they keep the cadence up. Yeah. Of every couple of years going back to ceramic. But I really like the white ceramic. It's it's my favorite design that they've ever done on the Apple Watch. Uh, I'm not going to buy a green one. I'm not going to buy a blue one. I mm-hmm. don't really understand. Like, for me personally, I would never buy a colored Apple Watch like that. It's got to be neutral. Like, I consider white to go with everything, basically. Um it would be weird, I think, for me to want to wear a red watch every single day with everything that I own, clothes-wise. It'd be peculiar. I tend to agree, and I, I've seen the red one in person. I like the way that it looks, but I... Oh, they look fantastic. I wouldn't want to do it every day for, for the reasons you said. I mean, yeah, I've, I've either always done... Well, I've done stainless steel, I've done the dark aluminum, and I've done the titanium, and uh, you know, I'll stay within those lanes. It's most likely I'd probably end up going with one of the dark colored ones um if if they don't offer ceramic and i would probably get ceramic in whatever they like if they didn't do white ceramic and they did like a gray ceramic or whatever i'd probably go back to that i also just really like the way that the ceramic apple watch feels it's a good balance of weight and stuff i find it very comfortable Mm -hmm. and it's also it looks good with the sport band when if i did if i had a metal one i wouldn't wear a sport band so then we got to go back into back into the band pool again yeah, I mean, I think you, I think you can. I mean, I've, I've worn the stainless steel. Oh, no, I steel. know, I know. You, like lots of people do. I, I'm just talking about like for me personally. Like if I'm gonna have an, a, a metal Apple Watch, then I'm probably also gonna want to get a metal band for it or a leather band. Then I gotta get different bands when I work. Oh god. <laughs> and I'm really not into the, um, the loops. Oh yeah, I'm not either. I don't want that. I, don't I know want people that. like them. Uh, I, I don't really care for them personally. For a lot, me. More than anything, like more than any other product that they make. I mean, they made it, they said it at the time, it was a selling point. It is the most personal product, which I actually do applaud them for not changing the Apple Watch band connectors. Oh, yeah. Like they got to resist that as long as is actually possible, like maybe forever. Like don't ever change the connector because 
you encourage people to build up this collection of stuff. In a way, it's even worse than like changing the connector on the iPhone or something. Oh yeah, because it's just a cable. You get new ones, you know. They, yeah, but if you got eighteen watch bands over the course of what six years, it's not fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's it. If you want to find more about the stuff we spoke about, head on over to the show notes, relay.fm/connected/361. Uh, please go donate to St. Jude. We'll be talking about St. Jude all month. That is stjude.org slash relay. And keep Friday, September 17th on your calendar open for the third annual podcast-a-thon. If you'd like to find Mike online, you can do that. He is on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. And uh, Mike and I will be streaming together on Friday. So mm-hmm. look out for that disaster coming your way. <laughs> Uh, Federico is off working on his review, but you can find him, of course, on Twitter at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he's the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH in my writing at 512pixels.net. Mike, until next time, say goodbye. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.